0: Welcome everyone, Glenn Blakeney here. Thank you for tuning in to Kingdom Encounter, brought to you by Awake Nations Ministries and the Kingdom Community. Are you looking for connection and community with other on-fire disciples of Christ? Do you desire to grow in your relationship with God as well as discover or be even more influential in your kingdom calling and assignment? Well, the Kingdom Community can help you we offer training mentoring and a spiritual family to belong to that will encourage you equip you and empower you to move forward to fulfill your purpose in advancing god's kingdom to learn more about the kingdom community please visit the website kingdomcommunity.global forward slash connect again that's kingdomcommunity.global forward slash connect and watch our explainer video everybody we're going to be pulling a timeless episode from the kingdom encounter archives we're going to be looking at episode 2 in the topic of apostolic centers. The early church was apostolic. They were on a mission. They were to make disciples of the nations. But what exactly is a disciple? I think that we've gotten it wrong. I think that we focused on replicating those who are religious in many ways, but to raise up a people that actually mirror the mannerisms of Jesus Christ, well that's another thing altogether. So hey guys, join us today. It's going to be awesome as we look at what it means to disciple the nations on Apostolic Center's session two. We're talking on apostolic centers, and we refer to Acts 19 really in our previous session, on our first session, that Paul started an apostolic center in uh, Ephesus that saw great transformation in that region. And of course, the church in Antioch was also an apostolic center in the sense that it was about equipping and training God's people. God is wanting to raise up his entire body his his entire church, every believer to function in a place of wholeness knowing who you are in Christ and according to his calling and mandate for you with the gifts that he has for your life that's so important. we refer of course to Ephesians 4 11 through 16 as um, the scriptural precedent for that. all right so today in this session, As I mentioned, I'm filling in for Dr. Daniel Guerrero, and uh, this session is on the Great Commission, and sometimes we refer to it as the Great Commission because there are two parties um, involved in this mission, the Lord and his church. The Lord is not going to do it all by himself, but neither can we do, or fulfill this mission by ourselves. I love Mark chapter 16, verse 20. It says that the apostles went out and they preached everywhere, and the Lord was working with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders. The Lord was working with them. So, there's this collaborating. collaborating. Uh, there's this um, coming together in tandem to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. And we want to point you to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start reading in verse number 18 for um, some of us. You know, this is a passage that we're very familiar with for others. um, We've probably heard it preached, but it's the passage that we often Um, referred to as the Great Commission. So, Matthew 28, we actually, let's look at starting at verse number 16. It says this, that the 11 disciples went into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus appointed for them. So, in other words, Jesus said, hey, guys, I want you to meet me on this mountain. I'm going to, you know, appear to you. And of course, he had been raised from the dead. He had appeared. To them for 40 days and spoke to them of many things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18 And Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is what is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. And this particular... Um, reference in Matthew's account. Of course, there's Luke's account and and uh, what Mark speaks about this commission as well to preach the gospel to all creation. But we we want to focus on Jesus' words here in Matthew. The great commission, the task, the task. What was the task? Well, let's just break it down. First of all, in the original language, Jesus is actually giving one commandment. When you look at Matthew 28, especially verses 19 and 20, it talks about going and making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you all things that I've instructed you some translation says teach them to observe well the word means to obey and so in the original language there's only one commandment here and that commandment is to make disciples so really it, it's to go and to make disciples it's it's a single commandment it's a commission so we are being commissioned to do what to go and make disciples and so the two, the two words baptize and teaching in verse 19 are participles in the Greek language. And participles are are they inform or they tell us how to do the main subject. How do we fulfill or how do we implement or execute the main subject? So the main subject, the imperative, the commandment is to go and make disciples. But the actual way we do that is through baptizing and teaching. OK, so we are called to go. That's important. And, and there's some discrepancy among scholars and whether or not go is actually a participle as well. But it would seem that it's really part of the commandment. But So we are called to go. And but our our main focus, the actual mission, the one thing that we are called to do is to make disciples of the nations, and we do this how by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. This is the great commission. So the great commission isn't about evangelism. The Great Commission isn't about healing the sick. It's not about, um, you know, just going and and preaching and doing crusades and, and all of these things and sharing our faith on the streets. That's not the Great Commission. Now, let me let me break this down because some of you might be saying at this point, are you saying we shouldn't do crusades or we shouldn't preach the gospel or testify or share on the streets? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is that the main thing Jesus told us to do is to make disciples. And I want to show you another passage of scripture that backs this up. It's found in John chapter eight. And here, Jesus had been preaching the gospel. Isn't this interesting? He'd been preaching the gospel, and he had been really speaking with people and, and confronting them and challenging them. And then we read in John chapter 8, starting in verse 30, that as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Now, a lot of people were being offended by Jesus. They were turning away from the Lord. But as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And look at the response of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are what? My disciples. And indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So Jesus is saying to them, look, guys, it's great that you believed in me. That's the starting point. I'm glad that you have believed in me, but I want you to understand something. It's not enough just to say you believe in me. You must continue in my word. You must abide in my word. You must keep growing. You must keep learning and you must keep being obedient to the truth. And as you do that, here's what he says you will become my disciples. So Jesus isn't just looking for believers. I know we use that term. We talk about believers, but believing is just the entryway into the kingdom. We believe and we are saved, the Bible says. But once we believe and once we are saved, there is a responsibility to continue in God's words and Dr. Daniel shared something very provo- profound today and and in some ways it's it's provocative in many places. He spoke about his experience on the mission field in India ministering to Muslims and and he mentioned how his strategy his modus operandi so to speak was not to try to get people to make a decision to follow jesus like pressure them you need to you need to make this decision you need to say this prayer you need to get saved but His focus was to build a relationship and to get to know these people, to show them the love of God, and then to even see the power of the Holy Spirit released as he asked them if he could pray for them and he would pray for them and they would be healed and they would see miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. And then many of these Muslims that were so hard and and so opposed And when I say hard, I mean just close to the gospel. They came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They came to put their faith in him as a result of Daniel taking time to build relationship with them and to show them who Jesus was. So, so often we just put pressure on people oh you need to get saved right now don't walk out the door you know put your hand up say this prayer if you you don't know what's going to happen to you and and oftentimes people feel pressured and even manipulated and coerced to make Jesus to pray this prayer but they've never really believed from their heart and they've never really been transformed it's been out of pressure human pressure and manipulation you know Jesus said that no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So there is a place where we have to recognize that there's the, the part we do is, yes, we we love, we we share the word, we pray, we heal, we, we do those things that Jesus called us to do. But ultimately, only God can bring someone to that place where their hearts are open to receive the gospel. And I believe if we actually focus more on discipleship, bringing people to a place where they they begin to understand who Jesus is. And and discipleship is really showing people what Jesus looks like. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus says this, the student is not above the teacher, but when the student has been fully trained, he will be like his teacher. The Greek term translated fully trained in, um, in in English is actually the word cartartizo. It is a word that means equipped. For example, in Ephesians 4, verse 12, we're talking about equipping the saints. Cartartizo means to be made whole. It means to be healed. It means to be brought into alignment. It has the idea of of just being made whole and complete so that there's nothing missing. And the idea here is, is that God wants to bring that into our lives and he wants to make us whole. And ultimately, when we've been discipled the way we should, we will look like Jesus Christ. We will act like Jesus Christ. We will walk like Jesus Christ. We will talk like Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29 says, he saved us that we might be conformed to the image or the likeness of his son, that we might be the first. He is the firstborn among many brothers, many sisters. First John, John 2.6 says, if anyone says he abides in him, in Jesus, let him walk even as he himself walked. So we're to walk like Jesus walked. So the focus of, of the Great Commission, guys, is simply this, to raise up a generation that live and look and act like Jesus Christ. Paul said, imitate me, but only as I imitate Christ. So, we are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We do this by baptizing them, by connecting them and consecrating them to Christ. And, and sometimes we, we don't understand the significance of this. You know, we start off by, by sharing the gospel with them, telling people who Jesus is, building a relationship with them, healing them, ministering to them. But when the time comes when people begin to understand who Jesus is, you read this in the scriptures, you know, they, they'll often say, how, what do we do to be saved? Or they'll say, you know, how to, you know, what's preventing us from being baptized? There's something in them that is reaching out and saying, I want to make this decision myself. I don't, this isn't me feeling pressured, but it's like, no, I want to do this and, and the, you look at the New Testament strategy, the way Jesus did it, the way Paul did it. You know, for example, Jesus starts his public ministry after he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in one of the accounts, it's in John's account, it says that the, the disciples of John the Baptist, they approach Jesus and they ask him a question. They say, Jesus, where are you staying And Jesus responds and he says, no, guys, get on your knees and pray right now and accept me as your Lord and Savior. (laughs) Now, he actually says this. He says, come and see. Come and see. Come and spend time with me. Jesus would invite people into his life. He would invite them into community, into relationship. He discipled people in real time in community. Jesus would invite people to come and follow him, you know, leave your fishing nets and come and follow me. He didn't say, hey guys, put down your fishing nets right now and pray the sinner's prayer and come and follow me. You know, he said, guys, come and follow me. And I want, I know this is provocative and this goes against the way that a lot of us think and the way we've been taught, but it's a Western mindset that is unbiblical. There has to be a place where people desire in their heart Through the work of the Spirit of God and the truth of the Word of the Lord, they come to a place where they are ready to follow Jesus Christ. Look at Paul. Paul goes into the synagogue. He reasons with them. He shows. He talks to them about how Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and he reasons with them. And then we see him after he was kicked out of the synagogue in Acts 19. He goes to the school of Tyrannus. And while he's there, they're coming to him and he's speaking to them about the Christ. He's speaking to them and he's teaching them and he's telling them about Jesus and he's healing the sick and he's seeing people delivered and set free. And as a result, people are coming to the Lord. There's genuine conversion taking place. People are being radically born again. They're repenting of their sin. They're surrendering their lives. They're consecrating themselves to God and they're connecting with the body of Christ. They want to be part of the community and they want to be consecrated to the Lord. And the next uh, step clearly is water baptism. Hey guys, Glenn Blakeney here. I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Audible. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community. And sign up for the free 30-day trial and download any audiobook that you wish. And at the end of the 30 days, if you don't continue with the subscription, the book is still yours to keep. Man, there's so many great resources on Audible. Again, just head over to audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community. And then secondly, we teach people to obey And to submit to Jesus Lordship. This is so missing in the church. Our next session um, on, I think it's our next session on apostolic centers. We're going to be, maybe it's on the gospel of the kingdom, but, but uh, Pastor Arthur Geis, who pastors the church in the South side of Chicago is going to be sharing on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You won't want to miss this. This guy has been used powerfully by the Lord in a war zone, literally in one of the most violent places in the world. And uh, is a good friend of mine. I've ministered in his church and been in his community many times, seen many miracles. But I want you to understand it's all about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke about that. He said, it's not enough to believe, guys. You've got to continue my word. You know, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say. Word in the, the, the word for Lord in the New Testament Greek language, Kyrios, actually means king, that he's a king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And do you know that after his resurrection, you will see repeatedly that he's referred to as the Lord Jesus Christ, not just Jesus but the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's other ways he's referred to, but often we see that phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking of his kingship, of his regalty and who he is, and that he is king of kings and he's Lord of lords. And he demands absolute submission. Guys, discipleship is bringing people to the place where they submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the session we just did on the gospel of the kingdom, we, we looked at that in Second in Thessalonians and how God has called us to come into his glory, to live in his glory, and to walk in that place. So it's all about coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ so that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's not just in the future that's not just when we die and in fact that's clearly here in this light bringing people to that place where they acknowledge that he is lord he is king and they bow down to him in subserviency and in subjection to him so the great commission is making disciples who are connected and consecrated to christ and his body and who obey and submit to his lordship they obey his commandments they do the things that he wants them to do out of a heart of love, out of a heart of love, not condemnation, but out of love. Jesus talked about that, right? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So when people come to that place where this, I love the Lord. And of course, they're going to want to serve him. They're going to want to obey him. Now, the target, the task, making disciples, the target is all the nations. In the Greek language, it's panta ta Ethne. Which means from all the nations, you know. I've mentioned this, and I said this in the previous session. I'll just want to go over it again. When the Bible talks about nations, it's not referring to countries like we do today. You know, the United Nations says there's 195 countries in the world. They do not include um, um, Taiwan. But when you look at the ethnic groups in the world, and you count each ethnic group uh, once for every country. Do you know how many ethnic groups? Ponta ta ethne, ethnic. How many ethnic groups are in the world? According to the Joshua Joshua Project there's over seventeen thousand ethnic groups in the world. Seventeen thousand. In the United States, there's over three hundred and fifty unreached people groups. In the United States, Australia. I heard in in Sydney, there's over fifty unreached people groups just in Sydney, Australia. Guys, reaching all ethnic groups, all nations, that's what we're called to do. Of those 17,000 ethnic groups plus, there are 6,900 approximately that are considered unreached ethnic groups, unreached peoples. 6,900, meaning 2% or less, believe in the gospel. And because there's only 2% or less, they're not capable of really evangelizing their nation. and, And I'm sorry, not evangelizing, discipling their nation on their own. They need outside intervention. They need outside help. And so there is still a need for missionaries today, but missionaries that will do training and equipping, teaching others how to be disciples who will make disciples themselves. So we're talking about close to 3 billion, 7.82 billion people in the world right now. Over 3 billion are still considered unreached in our world today. Jesus has called us to make disciples of the nations. We spend hardly, of, of all the money that comes into the kingdom, very little goes to unreached people groups. It's less than 1%. All of the money typically goes toward nations where there's Christians There's churches, there's ministries, and we're doing very little to go after the unreached people groups. Most of them are in what is known as the 1040 window. And uh, this is something that we've got to change because as we said earlier in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout the world as a witness or testimony to all the nations, then the end will come. So it has to go to all the nations, all the ethnic groups. It says in Second in, uh, Peter 3, verse 12, that we are to be looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Looking for, some translation says, hurrying it along, speeding it up. How do we hurry up or hurry along or speed up the coming of the day of God? We preach the gospel of the kingdom as a witness. Go back to the session I just did, and we break that down. What is a witness? It's not just the gospel and word, but it's in the power of the spirit. And we do that to all the nations of the world. I have traveled to many nations. I've been to a lot of places by the grace of God. And I can tell you that even in the eastern nations, um, there are many places in which the pastors and 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 other leaders don't understand the gospel of the kingdom and they don't prioritize reaching the unreached people groups. I've got some upcoming podcasts that I'm going to be doing with missionaries that are really reaching the unreached people groups. They're seeing miracles and the dead raised to life and seeing entire villages come to Christ. It's awesome. And I look forward to that. Um, so it's so good. So all the nations, all the ethnic groups, and then the term, the term to the end of the age. Okay. Matthew 24, three, what would be the sign of your coming? And the end of the age, the disciples asked Jesus, he says, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, then the end will come. Then the end will come that what the end of the age. So listen, this can be taken two different ways. There was an initial fulfillment of this, but yet there's still an ongoing need that to see this fulfilled in every generation. You know the gospel for the most part paul was all about taking the gospel to the to the unreached peoples you know at the end of his his life he was talking about going to spain because to his knowledge this was the furthest away place that was still unreached and so he was about we got to go to new places new frontiers new new terrain and territory and so In that sense, that we can say that perhaps the gospel in the Roman Greco world was taken to all the people by the day through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Um, And so we, we can say that could be the end of the age, so to speak, uh, people talk about the end of the age, referring to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. I'm not going to go into all of that today. I'm not teaching on preterism or partial preterism. But what I want to say is that we have a responsibility to preach the gospel to the nations. That's our calling. That's our responsibility as God's people, as the church, to go to the nations and make sure that everyone hears the gospel, but not just hears, but is discipled, that we make disciples of all the nations. And so the promise is what? That if we do this, we get this done, uh, the end will come. And of course, Jesus says that he will be with us always. He will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Isn't it interesting that the Lord promises us his power and his presence only in relationship with our fulfilling the great commission. I've done a study on this. There is no promise of power or his presence apart from it being linked to the call and the commission to preach the gospel and to make disciples of the nations. Acts 1.8, you will receive power, power dunamis to be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, right? And then as we've already saw here in Matthew 28, verse 20, he said, when you do this, I'm with you. I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a call. Guys, we are called to make disciples. We we can preach the gospel. We can do crusades. There's nothing wrong with that. I've done many crusades and God willing... Uh, Once the borders start opening up, I'm going to do them again and maybe even do them here in America. But the point I'm trying to make is we've got to do more than just get people to put up their hand or come forward and respond to an altar call. They've got to be discipled so that they become like Jesus and they learn how to follow him and be obedient to him. There has to be a work in which they are also taught how to um, make disciples themselves. The metrics of the kingdom of God. You look at the metrics. How do we measure success in church today, right? It's based on what? Uh, the size of our buildings, our budget, and the bodies. How many people do we have? Buildings, bodies, and budget. And then sometimes I say in baptisms, because oftentimes we even dunk people and we think we're we're being successful, but people have never, many of them really come to that place where they understood who Jesus was and they've really surrendered their lives. And so they've just been dunked, but there's not been a, an act of real surrender to God. And so I want to I want to just say to you guys that that in this place, yes, it can happen quickly. Like somebody you you have an encounter with someone, they they experience the power of the gospel. You share the truth of the gospel, and they want to be baptized. It can happen quickly, but there needs to be a work of making disciples, teaching them, training them, equipping. If we were to, as an individual, just spend a year with one person discipling them, You know, at the end of that year, we were to do it again, and our original disciple would disciple someone. At the end of the second year, we would have four people. The end of the third year, if we repeat this, it goes on to 8 to 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, 512, 1056, and so on. But guys, when you look at this, when you get around the 33rd year of discipleship, multiplication, do you know you've reached over 8 billion people by the 32nd, 33rd year? If we are to try to win, like, say, one church um, would win, you know, let's say, let's put it this way, 100,000 churches, okay, 40% of the churches in America have supposedly shut down during COVID. Let's say there's 100,000 churches, and 100,000 churches would win one person a week to Christ. At the end of one year, that's 5,200,000 people. That's a lot of people. Discipleship by multiplication, all we've got is two people at the end of one year. But as you continue doing it that way, by addition versus multiplication, it's going to take you over a thousand years to reach the world's population. Whereas by multiplication, it can be done in 30, just over 30 years so this commandment is to make disciples, not just to preach the gospel, not just to, you know, get somebody to come to a church. It's not about membership. It's not about giving your life to a church or signing up to become a member. It's not even about um, taking a class or a course or, you know, uh, about catechism or, or some type of religious Uh, Creed that we adhere to, but this is about people becoming like Jesus walking like Jesus. The metrics of the kingdom are, do we act like Jesus? Do we live like Jesus? Do we do the works of Jesus? Can we drive out demons? Can we heal the sick? Can we share the gospel with power? Are we able to disciple other peoples? We love people the way Jesus loved them. Would we go to the nations the way Jesus loved them? Would we surrender our lives to serve people the way Jesus did? And, And would we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and live a holy and consecrated life the way Jesus did." That's what disciples do. That's who disciples are. And we're called to make disciples. God isn't looking for an audience. He's looking for an army. The church, it's not going to be judged by our seating capacities, but by our sending capacities. Are we raising people up and sending them out to turn the world upside down by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? There is something fresh going on in the earth right now where people are saying this is more than just coming to a church coming to a building, you know, being part of something, it is important to to be part of God's family and, and to connect to a kingdom community. Absolutely. We should gather and we should fellowship and we should one another. But ultimately, this is about a lifestyle of being completely abandoned and surrendered to God, And loving Jesus and following Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is what discipleship is all about. The Great Commission is to make disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations. We baptize them, connecting them, and consecrating them to God connecting them to the family of faith, and then ultimately teaching them how to subject themselves and be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ by obeying his commandments out of love, by following him, being obedient, doing whatever he calls you to do. We are called to take up our cross and follow him, is what Jesus said. There is no such thing as someone who is saved, but not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I recognize we struggle. We can we can at times resist submitting to God, and we struggle with sin in the flesh. But there comes a point as you continue to grow and you're fully uh, equipped that you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you will be obedient to his lordship. We're called to make disciples of the nations, guys. This is the mission of the church. This is the one thing Jesus told us to do, and yet we focus on so many other things. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Help us, Father. Give us grace. Give us focus. Give us passion to really make disciples of the nations as we do you said you would build your church we give you the glory and honor in jesus thanks for joining us today at the kingdom community we trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us we exist to connect equip and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of god to learn more about the kingdom community please visit our website kingdomcommunity.global Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.